Здрасте and welcome to the third episode of Jesus Didn't Speak English. I'm Jeff Parks. I'm Bob Bostic. And we are two friends joined by the Holy Spirit. That's the space for the Holy Spirit to talk to you. <laughs> and we're here to plumb the depths of God. Hopefully he's speaking to you consistently and not just yes, that one time. Yes, I really hope so. little tongue-in-cheek, but the Holy Spirit, you know, we know that the Bible says where two or more are gathered in his name that God and Jesus are there present. So we're two friends. That means the Holy Spirit's here. So Well. Welcome. Go ahead. Isn't the Holy Spirit with you all the time individually? Yeah. The Holy Spirit is with me all the time. He's also with you all the time. But right. specifically, Jesus himself says that whenever two or more are gathered in my name, sure. then I am there also. Sure. So I guess technically it's two friends, the Holy Spirit and Jesus right now because we're okay. two people gathered in Jesus' name. So Jesus is also present. Yeah. A little bit of the Godhead for you yeah. early on in the episode. We're actually keeping two empty seats here right next to us. That's false. We have no other chairs in this <laughs> tiny cubicle. <laughs> anyway, so... This is episode three, the original and the truth part two, heavy on the truth, even more truthier. <laughs> That's oh, a good man. joke because it made him oh, cough really at the good. end. So to recap what we did last week or last episode, I guess, technically, I I'm going to be honest. Last episode was very dense. It was extremely Quite. dense. There was a lot of information and I'm not going to apologize for it because it was good and it's necessary. Anybody that's listening... Uh, I don't know what you're working with in terms of previous knowledge or previous experience with the Bible. And I got to be honest, there's probably plenty of people that are sitting in pews around the nation that might not even know the things that we're talking about, like how your English Bible got into your hand. So part of what we're doing as this podcast is to inform and educate about knowledge relevant to the Bible and who God is and who Jesus is and what they want and expect from us. Yeah. Also, some of it. Go ahead. I was saying we're, work we're working with a... A low baseline here. We're assuming nothing and just true, going true. from there. Yeah, no shade. We're not, no, no, no disrespect. No. Just, I don't know you who is listening to this right now. I don't know what you're working with. So I have to, by extension, might be giving out too much information to some people and not enough to others. You it's know? like so introductory it's, classes in yes, college. Just yes. because you're there doesn't mean you know the stuff. Correct. Just because you sit in the church pew doesn't mean you have all the information. Other side of that is you could already know that stuff and you still be in an introductory course. That's a True. quite a possibility. So uh, some of the things was to educate about like the source material for the different translations and where that comes from and why that leads to some disagreements amongst members of the body and people who love the Lord and are reading their Bibles, but might have mm, misinformed, I guess, opinions. Yes, very uh, much so. I see that more and more as I'm on the internet, as oh, I'm scrolling yes. TikTok videos, yes. man. There There's is a lot. lot of stuff out there that people just take and twist, whether it's whether it's on purpose and with uh, yeah, I'm shaking my head. Bad yes. intentions, correct. Uh, you can take anything. I can do all things through the power of a verse taken out of context. It's it's so true. Yeah, exactly. To segue from our very dense information of last week, I also wanted to bring up a lot of that information to address some problems that I see inside the body, sure. inside of our own midst. And some of it comes out of bad intention. Some of it comes out of good intention and misinformation and a lot of things. Um, in the early church, there was this big thing called Gnosticism, which uh, is a heresy 
if you're going from the Roman Catholic or the Greek Orthodox perspective and somebody who is really off base and like that's another conversation about church talk when it comes to heresy and heretics. But mm. the real Greek root word there for heresies is a division, something that's divisive, which we are not supposed to be as Christians amongst ourselves at all divisive. Like it's a big nope. no-no so much the fact that Paul said that if somebody comes in and is creating schisms that you're not even supposed to fellowship with that person. Right. You're supposed to kick them to the curb because that's how important that we all be on the same page it is. And so some of it, just to give a refresh, we were talking about the original and the potential applications for that word as it relates to the Bible that are in my purview would be original languages, Hebrew and Greek, right? Yep. Uh, the original manuscripts that are used to make English Bibles. The Textus Receptus. The Textus Receptus. And uh, the different codices. Okay. Yep. Plural of codex. And then we were talking about the original names. Okay. Yes. So some of the things that I've seen in my own personal interaction with people from very different walks of life uh, that are coming up are, you know, that Jesus's name is not valid if it's in English as Jesus. That's a heresy. I'm yes. going to tell you right now. Again, if this is somebody this applies to, I love you. There is no judgment. And I'm, I, I want to be gentle, but I also want to tell you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And that's a lie, straight up lie. Yep. Jesus' name literally is the preservation of Yeshua, just like three generations into English. So if you're, if you're with Yeshua and you love Yeshua, so do I. I love that. It's like really probably my favorite name for Jesus is in the Hebrew, Yeshua. Jesus as a name and as a word in English is a preservation of that just three steps from Hebrew. So that's why it sounds like Jesus and not Yeshua. Right. Can you call him Yeshua? Sure. Can you call him Jesus? Absolutely. Yeah, it's true. You can I, don't, I don't think you get any less, you know, direct line to him if you use Yeshua. Ah, you're as telling me to there's Jesus. not like uh, direct, like uh, Nextel click to connect. You remember the Nextels? Yeah. Like the little, the chirps. The walkie-talkie back and forth. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There is none of that with the Lord. It's not like if you use special words that you get like the direct connect to the right. Lord. The, the red phone on God's desk isn't <laughs> ringing and he answers right away if you use Yeshua. I mean, he, so he does prioritize. Sure. Like that's a thing. So Proverbs says that the prayers of a wicked man are an abomination to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. Oh yeah. I'm just, I wasn't thinking like. Correct. But I'm just saying like on the converse, it's not like, well, if I pray in Hebrew, it puts me to the top of the list. Right. Or Greek, it puts me to the top of, no, there's none of that. That's not a thing. But to the point of what we're talking about today, the truth. Okay. Yep. So I have a question for you that I've been dying to ask you since we recorded the last episode specific to this. What is truth? Oh boy. Oh boy. It's going to give me the really heavy. I'm going to give you right a sweet bat. softball right there, okay? What is what is truth? I will I'll, I'll throw you a softball. I'm going since to I gave you the fastball first. I'm going to say this. It's not subjective. Bingo. We don't each have our own truth. Oh man, see people he, are annoyed already. I wish you could see my notes. He hasn't seen my notes, but one of the things that I had was is there a difference between the truth, truth and a truth? Ooh, we're just getting right into it. So, oh man, I'm starting to sweat. <laughs> the difference an article makes, okay, definitive or an indefinite, indefinite or definite article, a truth like the versus the truth. Yeah. Okay. So remember the title is the original and yep. the truth. Yes. Chosen with care. Mm. Have you ever seen a movie where they like present the end scene at the beginning of the movie and then they unpack it throughout the yes. movie. I'm going to do that right you now. You see the first bit and you're like, oh man, how'd he die? And then it flips to a black screen. Like the it's usual like suspect. Three right? weeks ago. Yes. Where it's like, man, you just spoiled the whole movie and then the actual movie is talking about how we got to that process. Right. 
I'm they, do that. they throw a twist in there because you always think this is where it's going because I already know the ending. But True. Do you really? True. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that right now. The truth is Jesus. The end. That's you should it. see my shocked face. <laughs> so Jesus is the truth. All right. The truth. And so when Jesus is about to be crucified for all of the messed up things that we do as people, he's talking to Pontius Pilate, the man who could literally absolve him of any supposed wrongdoing that he's committed and set him free. And Pontius says to him, what is truth? Which is a big thing because this is like, I have literally your life in my hands. And Jesus says, the only truth that you know you, you have to get from has been given to you from above. And basically, there's nothing that you can do to me. Even though you think you have all this power, you really don't, which is wild. Knowing and the forethought yeah. that Jesus already knows what's going to happen and everything. It's, it's, it's a very audacious statement to someone who could literally preserve your life or not. A lot of times. <laughs> so I'm just going to put it out there. Jesus is the truth. Yes. All right, we have that in John 14, 6 at the end of last episode. I plugged two different verses from the Gospel of John, John 8, 31 and 32, and John 14, 6. Now, what I was really building to with that is in our culture, is it possible inside American culture that that's still a conscious thought for people? Jesus is the truth. By and large, no, because everybody is obsessed with this concept of, well, that's not my truth. Mm. Well, if your truth is different than my truth, then what does truth really ah, mean? We have encountered a logical fallacy. Right. If we, we are in have a our- system that we have, you have a truth and I have a truth and my truth excludes you and your truth excludes me, how can both be true at the same time? Right. They can't. Right. Unless we're all living in made up worlds inside our heads where then we get to, you know, make our own version of truth. And yet that is, I think, done with intent in where we find ourselves as a nation and as a culture, that if you have, like, this is the result of a many years of work against what the actual real truth is. Oh, yeah. If you eliminate the standard for truth, because that's really how we get to where we are today in 2022 America, is uh, we have obliterated the standard for truth. You obliterate the standard for truth. You obliterate the family and... The place where you learn what true is and what true isn't. Right. And where do you go from there? And then you have a people that are emotionally broken, that are physically broken, that are easy to manipulate. And so that's where we find ourselves today. So the truth, all right? It's Jesus, bro. It's just Jesus. Like the whole, all of the things that I said to you last episode. Go ahead. I know. I'm just thinking, I wish that was like a test question. And what is the truth? And you literally just wrote the word Jesus and put a period. It's Jesus. Turned it in. Hopefully you put your name at the top to get those 10 points. I Like I could, so... It really is the symbol. If you had to summarize the Bible as succinctly as possible, what would be your summarization of all of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? You're giving me. <laughs> I just told you the answer, bro. You literally just yeah. gave me the analogy. It's yeah. Jesus, bro. Jesus. It's like, and I and people are gonna be like, oh no, it, like no, really, like if I have any insight, if I have any wisdom, it has come from the Lord. It's not from me. Yeah. Okay. In my field of work, I am in law enforcement. As someone who's in law enforcement you get trained to pick up patterns. Pattern recognition is a big thing. Regardless of how you feel about it or what the implications of what someone does once they've picked up a pattern and how they interpret it and what they do with it, regardless of all that thing that you might have associated with what I just said, it's still true. Pattern recognition exists and there is a way to pick up patterns. And I can tell you from Genesis to Revelation, the pattern is Jesus. Now, you're going to say, oh, but it isn't Jesus because it didn't say Jesus. You got me there. It didn't say the name Jesus. 
But we already know because we unpacked the original name of Jesus. What is the original name of Jesus? What does it mean? Uh, salvation. Boom. I didn't even help him. I know you can't see me to like verify that, but that was all Bob. I did it. It's salvation. Yep. Like if we want to be less succinct, the Bible is essentially this story. We are all messed up as people. We've done things to separate ourselves from God. God has given us a way to get back to him and you accept it or you don't. Yep. But over and over and over again, that is the same story that's told. I literally have a list here in the Bible. The very first story that we have that is a story of a Messiah or a messianic story is, go ahead, give me your guess. What do you think is the first story in the Bible, wherever you think it exists, that's the first one. That is the story of a Messiah. I'm even going to help you a little bit. Messiah is an anointed thing. Okay. So what I'm really meaning when I'm saying that is an anointed salvation. When's the first time we see that in the Bible? Something that's coming from the Lord. That's the anointed part. Uh-huh. Okay. And is explicitly there to save the people that are involved. Do, 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 do. Just give At, me a guess. Not Adam and Eve. No. Abraham and Isaac? Is Abraham the first one? Look at my face. I'm guessing no, based on that face. <laughs> <laughs> Abraham and Isaac is one. Okay. So Abraham, what Bob's talking about, uh, Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. Abraham gets told by God, I want to make sure that you love me. I want you to sacrifice your son to me. This is the yeah. son of promise. Abraham is an ancient man. Not an old man. He's ancient. He like, didn't have Isaac till he was like in his hundred. He was a hundred. He was over 100. So yeah. he is an old man. His story is such a wild one. We can unpack that later. But either way, he gets told to sacrifice Isaac and he's about to do it. And God stops him and says, no, now I know that you're legit. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing heavily. Good, but no, that's no cigar. Noah. Noah is the very first one that I I've been able to the, find. The, the chronology of events. Okay. I'm not mad. I was also I had Moses thrown in there. But I was like, oh, he's way later. Mo- well, Moses is another one too. Man, I I can tell you he didn't see my notes because those are written in Hebrew and he can't read Hebrew. So like, maybe I've been studying. I've been doing my good. Duolingo. You don't know. Hey man, I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed either way. So Noah is the first one that I've been able to find. If you guys have one that's even before Noah in the chronology, email us. Drop it in the comments or on our Insta or on YouTube. I'll plug more of that at the end and we can we can engage like that. So Noah, okay. Noah's story is. The world is terrible. Yep. Everybody's doing wrong. Noah, you are doing what's right. You and your family build a boat, and then I'm going to keep you from the coming destruction. Now, it takes Noah a long time to build this enormous boat with him and his sons. And the entire time, everybody's watching and observing and not doing anything to help or be a part of that and actually mocking Noah like, look at this doofus. Yeah. Where's the ocean? So far away. Why are you building a boat? Yeah. Dummy. We're in, we're in a drought. Dummy. What are yeah, you doing? Exactly. So mocking and just... And I... I don't know that this is in the actual text, but I believe that Noah was also preaching, but that could be extra biblical, whether he did or not, regardless of that. Okay. What happens? How many people were on the ark? Uh, Noah and his wife, mm-hmm. Noah's three sons and their three wives. So what? That's eight. eight. Eight people. Okay. Eight people trust God enough to do what he told them to do and be a part of that and were drowned in the terrible flood. No, they were saved from the flood. That's the very first story that we have in the Bible that is really, that is what salvation is. You believe God, you believe that what he said is what he said and who he is is who he is and that he can follow through with what he said. Mm. And you put your trust in that literally yep. and are saved from the coming judgment. Abraham and Isaac, another one. This is an even more on the nose picture of salvation and the salvation plan. There's the father and the son relationship. Also, Isaac was probably 14 or 15. Yeah. So he was old enough for a couple of reasons. He carried the firewood to literally burn an animal. Yep. Okay. So he wasn't like some little kid, wasn't like a little baby. 
He was also tracking things enough mentally to say, hey, dad, we have all the things except the one really important thing. Where's that? We have everything but the animal to sacrifice. Correct. What are we sacrificing? And Abraham said, the Lord will show us. The Lord will see to it. It's you, Isaac. <laughs> I So there's a lot there. All right. I think that Abraham, Abraham is talked about in the Bible as a man of faith. Not always a perfect, like definitely not a perfect man. Not even a man. Um, my man lied a lot, did a lot of things that were super bad. And yet his faith is what was counting to for him as doing what was right, which is a wild statement. We will unpack that at another time. But either way, unpacking in the future, we have so much on it's basically we're just going to be unpacking the Bible as long as we're doing this. So it's a great example of what Isaac was able to understand what was happening and still allowed his dad. I don't know that he was bound per se. I mean, he could have been. I, I always picture it bound. I know we I don't do. Know it specifies. It does not, I don't think. But I mean, again, I, it might. I'm not I really sure. I don't know how much I trust my dad to be able to lay there as I'm laying on the firewood or on the altar, whatever it is. And I'm just like, all right, well, I guess this is just it now, dad. Well, that's what I was going to say. Trust so, like, you. Abraham's faith, right? I think Abraham was not only willing, but was about to do it, literally about to kill I, Isaac. I picture his, like, the knife is being plunged. And, yes. and then his hand just stops. Well, the you, angel just stops him. But, like, Consider where that goes. All right. So I think Abraham, even if he would have killed Isaac, believed that God was going to bring him back. Because again, this is the son of promise that you have told me. Your word is gold. And you told me that this is the one that you promised me who all of everybody is going to come after. So he has to, he's an integral part of the process. I don't think I've ever heard that brought up before. I can't take credit for it. I have, I heard that from somebody else. I don't remember. It's been years, but that Abraham's faith was so strong that even if Isaac died, that he would be resurrected, which is really, again... Another even more poignant point to what we're actually talking about, salvation and being brought back from the dead and the fact that our God is the God of the living, not the dead. Yep. There's so much there. And Moses, okay? So Jesus directly references this one instance with Moses in his life. He said, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too must the son of man be lifted up. So what that is, there was this um, time where the Israelites were once again doing something that they were not supposed to be doing. And the Lord sends literal poisonous snakes, serpents into the camp and people start dying like a lot. A lot of people. And the instruction that Moses receives from the Lord is to make a serpent out of bronze or brass. I think it's, is it the brass or the bronze? Those bronze. Bronze. So he makes a bronze serpent and he puts it on a pole. Now, if you know anything about poles and serpents, probably had to look something like a cross to support a snake that was spiled around it because, you know. They'll slide down otherwise. Just going to put that out there. Could be, couldn't be. We know it was on some kind of staff to hold it up. And then anybody that was in the camp that was dying from venom just had to look at the pole and they would be healed to look and have the faith. Oh boy. Look and have the faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do and they were saved from it. And Jesus is obviously saying this is foreshadowing. That was foreshadowing for what I'm about to do. Right. Because the son of man is what Jesus is and was. Also, next episode, I'm going to plug it right now. Next episode, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Jesus as the son of man, what that means. Bob is just as surprised as you are because I'm just telling you about him right now. We got a bunch of different uh, potential topics, and that's a good one. I think that a lot of Christians don't really understand maybe what that means. Also, contrast it a little bit to what the Son of God is. Son of God, Son of Man. Right. Jesus has a lot of titles, and that's one of them. So back to what we're talking about, the salvation, okay? That salvation, which is Jesus because his name is literally salvation. That's what it means. That is what the Bible is about all over the place. It's just the same story told over and over and over again. Yep. Nonstop about what the Lord is doing, why he's doing it, how he's doing it. And then he does it. You accept that or you don't. Do we have enough examples? You want me to keep going? I have like, 
I have at least five more examples. No, now I'm giving my favorite example. Go ahead. Give it to me. And it's one I've brought up to you a couple times recently. So you're going to already know where I'm going with this. I might be. I'm excited. When Jesus is on the cross, mm. he's got the, the two thieves on either side of him. Yes. And the one thief is, you know, he joins in, makes fun of Jesus, says, oh, if you're really the king, then just, you know, hop on down. And then the other one, he yes. said, we deserve this. This guy didn't do anything. And Jesus looks at him and says, or I don't know if he can look there. There's another part. Let me turn his head. Oh, what do you say? So he says that. Yeah. And I don't know when, like in the chronology, how much time, like when in between. But he does say right before, I think it's right before Jesus actually expires or he does. Might have to be before Jesus expires. Yeah. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's the one. Which is such an action-packed little sentence. Yeah. That we don't really, we don't have, there's so much. Oh man, there's so much. So we don't have the same reference points because we're not Levantine Jews from the first century. So like, obviously we don't have the same exact reference, but what does that mean? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Like, what is that implying? It implies that he's a king of a kingdom. Yes. Implies that he's dying on the cross, but he's not going to die. It implies so many things. So Jesus had the, the sign above the cross, right? Yeah. King of the Jews. Yes. It says Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Okay, this is what Pontius Pilate put up there, and he put it up there in Latin and in Greek and in Aramaic. And so there's one way that you can... So if you've ever seen somebody's religious medallion that's got a crucifix on it, sometimes it'll have I-N-R-I above it. Yes. Okay, that is the Latin, Jesus Nazarenus Rexus Iudeus, okay, which is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Okay. okay. So Pontius Pilate had it put up in three different languages, which also leads me to when we said in the first episode why Jesus might have been... Uh, fluent in five languages. There you go. There's some of my textual evidence. So it sounds almost identical in Greek. If you say it in Aramaic, okay, Aramaic and Hebrew are really, really close languages. There is a way that if you say that, that it lines up with the holy name of God that we were talking about last episode, that it would spell out at the beginning of each word, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, which is Yeshua, Hanatsarit, Umelech, Hayahudim, Jesus, the Nazarite, because that's how you would say of Nazareth, and king of the Jews. If you put the and in there, which is totally possible and plausible, then you would have spelled out the name of the Lord in every first letter of the first word. Why that's important, again, so like as Christians, one of the reasons I wanted to bring up a lot of the stuff about last episode, all that very dense information, all of our evidence of what we're talking about, the Bible, is based on text. So text becomes very important about what's there or what's not there. Jewish people are even more heightened in their awareness of that. And historically, and even currently today, are really, really attuned to how words spell out like in the first letter of each word. Like, And there's so many examples in the Bible that we don't have a reference point because we don't read it in Hebrew. Great example, Lamentations. Lamentations chapter three, starting in the entire chapter, they're triplets. Every three verses starts, each one of the verses starts with the letter of the alphabet in order. So verses one, two, and three, all of the, the sentences start with an Aleph and it goes like that. Same thing in um, Psalm 119, the longest one, that even if you look up in a KJV, it'll have it broken down by section. I think it's like 10 verses in that one or so. And the same thing, the Aleph section, every sentence in Hebrew starts with Aleph in that section. Is Aleph a, like letter A? Yes. Sorry. That is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Gotcha. Okay. So. Jewish people are very attuned to how words are formed on the page and the implications there. Okay. And when the Jewish people in the gospels are losing their mind, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they go to Pilate and say, you got to take that down. And Pilate says, beat feet. I mean, what he actually says is what I've written, I've written, which is basically go pound sand. I'm not doing that. 
it's my personal belief is because when Pilate had that written, that whoever wrote it, wrote it in Aramaic and it spells out the holy name of the Lord and you are essentially calling him who he is. And they were like, that's got to go. Like they were losing their minds because you're like, they knew exactly what you're saying. It's so profound. I have that tattooed on my arm. I wonder if that was on purpose. Like not. Of course it was. I mean, I know what like. Somebody had to have done that. I wonder who did that and knew what they were doing. I think that's just another example of the Lord leaving fingerprints all over the place over and over and over again. Another thing that I didn't get to mention last episode, but is relevant to what we're saying now. And again, subservient to the phrase, Jesus is the truth. So there's a couple different examples that we have in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament that equate Jesus to the Lord Almighty, L-O-R-D caps. Okay. The yod heh vav One of them is in Romans 10, 13. Do you have a Bible handy on your phone so you can read it for us? So this is Paul speaking to the group of believers in Rome. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes. And that whole thing is in all caps. Yes. So what that's alluding to is that that is a quotation from the Old Testament. And specifically, it is, I believe, a quotation from Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah. Paul is quoting. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, go up a few verses. And what is he talking about? It's talking about Jesus, right? Romans 10, 9, and 10, very popularly in the church, ro- referred to as what? The Romans Road, right? Yes. I think that's why it was, I already had it pulled up because we talked about that last week. So if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, et cetera, et cetera. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. That God raised him from the dead. And that God raised him from the dead. Good. Thank you. So that right there is, again, one of the things that we brought up as evidence last time. That kudios, that word in Greek for Lord functions in two ways. One as replacement in the Hebrew, the Hebraic form of Adonai. Okay. But what he's actually doing, what Paul is doing is he's saying Jesus is the Lord because Zechariah said, if you call on the name of the Lord, that's all caps, L-O-R-D, that's God, the father. If you call on that name, you will be saved. So Paul is saying in Romans 10, 13, that Jesus is the Lord, which is some people in an effort to dig into the originals, start to say, this is some of the stuff that I was trying to like address last time, that, that Jesus isn't his real name, that Jesus isn't God, that like this is the whole council of Nicaea in like 325-ish AD, there is the first church council, quote unquote, in the town of Nicaea. One of the big questions that came up in that council was the divinity of Jesus. Is Jesus God or not? I feel like I could have answered that very easily for them had I been there and said, yes. Well, yeah, but end. like, okay, let's be... So we have the benefit of the last 2000 years. Yes. And this is some of the things that were coming up as questions inside of the movement of the way or Christianity up on the earth until that time. Some other things in the council were like, how do we know to celebrate Passover at the right time? And I got to say, one of the biggest beefs, I have beef with Constantine. I'm not going to lie. I got beef with him, my man. And if he's in heaven, I hope that some of my personality still remains a little bit like in my glorified body. Because I got some questions, bro. Like the Council of Nicaea changed the face of the earth forever because some yes. of the some of the questions that were raised. So primarily it was Jesus's divinity or not, which is, again, I agree. Uh, yes, 100 percent. Like it's it's obvious to me for so many reasons. A lot of them I can show you in the text. The other ones, though, were like questions like day to day mundane things. How do we know when to celebrate Passover? Bob, do you celebrate Passover? No shade either way. Just curious. Yes and no. Okay. How do you, yes, celebrate Passover? How do you, no, celebrate Passover? I, igno- I acknowledge it. Okay. I don't participate in any of Would the- Would you say you celebrate? So can you say you celebrate if you I don't- I guess you can't say I celebrate because I don't participate in any of the, you know, the, okay, so, so the do Passover you, Seder or okay. anything like that. Agreed. So do you celebrate Easter? Yes. Okay. So like, that's my point. 
that Christians, like if we were to take a poll, survey says, no, most Christians do not celebrate Passover. That I know. Most Christians would be hard pressed to even name any of the, uh, they'd be hard pressed to even name any of the feasts. Or would you say that that you have learned about the feast since we've become like real friends? I have learned about that since we've become friends. And uh, I'll shout out to uh, Pastor Kevin Craig at Thrive Apopka down in Apopka, Florida, because he did a lot of that as well. Yes. So there are some, there are some Christians, okay? But universally, most of the Christians on the planet do not celebrate Passover as like a holiday, just like they wouldn't celebrate um, like, you know, Festival of Weeks or Pentecost. First Fruits. Or First Fruits or... They see things pop up on their iPhone calendar in little purple because it's Passover or it's Rosh Hashanah or it's any of those things. Sure. And they ignore it and say, oh, holiday. That doesn't apply to me. It's most of the time, I think most Christians be like, oh yeah, that's like in the Bible, but it's not our thing. It's not our thing. Now, before the Council of Nicaea, most Christians on the planet absolutely still participated in the Jewish feasts because those were also the Christian feasts. And we come out of that, and now we have our own holiday, which is Easter. And there's like a whole thing. It's not just Constantine. Fairness and in fairness. Uh, Sounds like you want to throw hands with Constantine. No, I don't throw hands, man. I'm, uh, But I do have some issues, man. I got some issues with him because like he's the one that initiates or is at least in part initiating that and so he bears a lot of the you know weight of that decision but there were like growing trends inside the body of christ at that time that uh who can say essentially is who can say like also the lord is sovereign again so like if if god really didn't want it to happen it wouldn't have happened you know my point being so much of how we observe the things inside the official faith changed after that and um Oh, there's so much loss there because like all the biblical feasts, all seven of the biblical feasts that are talked about directly point to Jesus again, because the Bible is talking about, it's just Jesus nonstop. You cannot find a more clear understanding of what Jesus came to do outside of Passover. It is such a big deal. Like the way we get the name Passover, that's the 10th plague. And that's literally having the angel of death skip over your house. That's what Pesach in Hebrew means to jump over. Okay. How does he jump over? Because there's blood on the doorposts of your house. Also, I don't know if you know anything about architecture back then. You didn't really have like a huge door into your house. There was a divot in the ground, like a depression, a bowl that when you would like eat your food, like you wanted meat on a holiday, you would string it up on the the lintel above your, your door and slaughter it. And then all the blood would drain into the bottom of this bowl. That's gross. Also, sounds like a very easy way to twist an ankle. Just be more cautious. This is, that's a, anyway. So then they dipped the blood, the hyssop or whatever you're using as your paintbrush on Passover specifically, because that was the instruction. And they painted on the two sides and the top. Now, if you have the two sides, the top and the bottom, what shape did we just make? I'm going to give it to you like this on my fingers. That's a cross, man. That's a cross. You have blood on the top, blood on the side and blood in the bottom. It's also to, like to connect the point. Okay. To, yeah. Sure. To, if we were connecting the points. Sure. Okay. I didn't articulate I'm picturing very well. just so. I mean, literally, yeah, it's a rectangle, bro. It's a door. Thank you. Good one. Thank you, Jeff. It's if you were connecting the points. All right. This is also you could say like, hey, where was Jesus's bloody body connected to the cross on the sides, the top and the bottom, like his bloody head, yep. bloody hands, bloody feet. Yep. That's the same shape as the well. It's, it's the same. It's connected connection. to the cross in the same spots as the blood on the correct. Doorpost. And he is the Passover lamb. Like this, literally, the night before he's crucified. What holiday is going on? Passover, because he's literally the Passover lamb. He's also literally the uh, the two goats in Yom Kippur. Like that's a whole that's a whole thing. 
that ah, I don't have enough time today and I don't want to give you more meatloaf because it's a lot to digest. But over and over and over again, we see the same pattern that Jesus is what the Bible is talking about nonstop, even if it's not naming him. And I don't want to say play fast and loose because that's not ever my intention. Yes, there is truth that's in there um, that is allegorical. A great example is the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon is oh wild book if you're reading it for literalism. Wild, the <laughs> Jewish R-rated book. Yes, yes, that's when you're going to church and you're a little kid. You're like, oh, it says breast. <laughs> like that's what you do when you like want to be like, oh, I'm rebelling, you know, but not <laughs> yeah. really. You're like, look at that, and it says I can say breast because it's in the Bible. It's look, it's there. Yeah. So if you look at it literally, it's like, why, why did y'all include that? If you don't understand that the the real meat of Song of Solomon is the allegory for how the Lord views his people, and that's really what it's talking about, that Solomon's interest in this woman, concubine, wife, whichever she was, that it's really how the Lord pursues us, okay? There is a place for allegory. There's a place for literalism. I'm not saying be willy-nilly, but understand that like really the whole point is to point you Everything in the Bible is to tell you the same thing, that God is the one that can do this for you, and it's only God. Like every single one of these stories that we've talked about, it's just God doing what he has been doing forever. Do you believe me? Yes or no? Like that's that's what God is saying. That brings you back because that analogy that I was giving you earlier, or not the, the story from the Bible, the thief on the cross. Mm, yes. That was what I was getting. That brings us back to that, where my favorite part, it was a TikTok that I saw, mm. and I know I told you already. It was, what do you think... That the that thief gets up to heaven. Everybody always says, "Oh, you know, Saint Peter's sitting ah, there yes, at the yes. gates." That thief gets up there. He's standing in line. He gets there, and Saint Peter's like, "What are you doing here? I, you know, you you've lived, you've done all these things all your life. What are you doing here?" And the reaction that the thief gives, or what he says, the response has got to be like, "Because that guy said I could be here. The guy on the cross said I could come. Mm-hmm. It's true." Like this is the same sentiment that Paul has when he says, "It's not of works," because if it was, then some people would have a thing to be proud of. In a different side of the same coin, I guess, Paul says uh, at another spot that everything that I have done is feces. And like, again, man, I go, go do some Greek research because it's not, it's much stronger than that. Like we, I love translation. It's good. It has done so much good because that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. It's getting the word out. There's a, I'm going to look it up on my phone while we're talking, but the same way that Paul says everything that I've done is literal dung. Like I have nothing good to stand on. The only thing I can be proud of is Jesus crucified. Okay. Which we, if we don't really track in the same ways that we can be, it can fall into church talk, but like look at Paul's life before his interaction with Jesus. And like after his interaction with Jesus, he did a lot. I mean, even if we're going to, let's take out of the equation that, you know, that time where he was going around like killing Christians and stuff. Let's just, yeah, that was a whole thing. Let's put a Paul, a Paul, like a, a pin in that. Okay. That was pre-Paul. That was, that was Saul. Saul. That was Saul's life. He, Saul was doing a whole different thing. He was. Even that though, like when he, I don't remember what epistle it's a, it's his, but he talks about, you know, all of his, he's giving his credentials that I was born in the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, exceeding all, I think he even references when he was killing Christians, that I was ex- so zealous for the Lord and for the traditions of our fathers. That's the Jewish faith. That's what he's talking about. The tradition of our fathers is that. And I was so zealous that I was exceeding many of the ones of my own generation. Like he was such a on fire Jew that he was just rocketing through the sky kind of thing. Like uh, his rise was meteoric, okay? That he was, had a lot to be proud of. And then obviously he meets Jesus and it radically changes his life. After the fact that he 
had some things that, I mean, we would say like, these are things that you could be proud of, right? Like if the Holy Spirit was moving into me and I was like going around planting churches, you would think, oh, those are good things, bro. You could be proud of that, right? Planting churches, cultivating churches, the entire, most of the New Testament is his letters to these churches. True, true. Uh, And yet, what does he say? So he talks about it a little bit where he says he gets a thorn in his side, right? Mm -hmm. And he prays three times. He says, Lord, please take this away from me because I don't like it. And the Lord says, no. He didn't say no. He says, my grace is enough for you. My power is perfected in weakness. And Paul even talks about it in the context where he says that it was given to me, this thorn in his flesh, whatever it was, because we don't really know what it is. It was given to him to keep his ego in check. I'm going to paraphrase for you, but that's what he's talking about. To keep his ego in check, lest I should have something to be proud of. That's wild. It's very easy to slip into that. Look at all this stuff I've done. Look at all the stuff I'm doing for the kingdom. Whether it's whatever it is, it's very easy to, you know, look at me, look at me. You have done nothing. Whatever it is that you're doing, that's awesome. It's great. In the end, you're not doing anything. Jesus is the one that did everything. Yes. So this goes back to another point that I was trying to make and that I would love to get out. Okay. The truth is that the truth is Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. We also have in John 1, 1, John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's a direct reference to Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. John was intentionally drawing reference to this. There's this whole concept that's really lengthily drawn out in, um, there's this guy I follow on TikTok that's uh, one of our brothers in Messiah that shows on his one video how you can trace this through the Talmud. And obviously- Jewish again for those. The Talmud, I haven't actually talked about. The Talmud is Jewish commentary. That is, um, there's two different ones. There's a Babylonian, the Jerusalem Talmud. They are essentially, they're commentary. Jewish people though, view it very, very highly. Almost equal to, and in some places, maybe even more as uh, like equated to the Bible. In Christianity, we are very often, most people are like, the Bible is supreme. And that nothing comes close. Like the things are good, but that doesn't come close. And the Jewish idea of the Talmud is right up there. It's rabbinic commentary that is explanation for what the Bible is and all kinds of things. Take it with a grain of salt. Some of it is really good. Some of it is really off base, just like any human commentary, because it's not necessarily inspired by the word. Now, that being said, inside the Talmud, they talk about how every word, I believe it's in Genesis. I don't know if it's all over the place, but that there are pairings between the Proverbs and these and the different words inside Genesis. We'll just use that as a reference point. In Bereshit bara Elohim et HaShemayim v'Taretz, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Sorry, one more time slowly. Bereshit bara Elohim et HaShemayim v'Taretz. In the beginnings, that's Bereshit. Bara, all right, bara is to create. Now, this word is connected to one of the saw or one of the Proverbs. It's either eight or 22. And I know that it's in one of them. It's either 22, eight or eight, 22, where it says I was created or I was used as the tool for creation. Okay. So inside the Jewish, Bob's going to look it up for us. Inside the Jewish understanding, the Torah, that whenever this said, because of that proverb, it's that when God created all of the things that we see in creation and through the whole seven day process of creation, that Torah or the old Testament, the law was what was used to form everything. Okay. Torah, that when God said, let there be light and there was light, that it was actually the Torah that was speaking. Now track me for a second, because this is a big thing. A lot of the Targums, which is another commentary thing inside Judaism, the Targums are written in Aramaic. The word for Torah in the Aramaic is Memra. Memra is the Aramaic word for word. Okay. 
Now we're going to draw that back to what we said John 1.1 1, 1 is. What is John 1.1? 1, 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is a direct reference to the Jewish understanding. Okay. That Jesus, he's saying yeah. that in the beginning, Jesus was, and right. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And he's equating it. Memra is the word for that in Aramaic. And the Jewish understanding is the Torah is what created everything, that God spoke the Torah into existence. And it gets a little philosophical, but yeah. John is drawing reference to a couple of things. He's drawing a reference to Jesus's eternality, that he's before time. And also it's lining up with the existing Jewish thought that Torah is what created everything. Right. That Jesus is literally the inscribed word made flesh. All right. So I'm saying all that to say, again, if, if the Bible it, it can be broken down into Jesus is the truth and it is all about Jesus. John 1.1 1, 1 is saying that Jesus is the word of God. Literally, he is the word. And we know from John 14.6 that Jesus is the truth. That means the word is the truth. Boom. Hmm. So the word. Now, everything that we're doing the podcast, anything that's good, that's based in the Lord in our lives is specifically to bring the kingdom down and going off of everything that we just said. So I've been throwing a lot of references out, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to dial it back in, but you got to track me because this is important. Okay. So John 14, six, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Yep. John eight thirty one says, you will be my true disciples. The truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. John 1, 1 says, Jesus is the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it says some more about that. Uh, Isaiah 55.10 and 11 says that just like the rain and the snow that fall to the ground and nourish it and make everything grow, that the word of the Lord will not return to him empty-handed, but it grows and does what he wants it to do where he wants it to do. Why? Because it is Jesus. So I saw this really cool quote. It was recently. And this is what it said. It is not our business to make the message acceptable, but to make it available. We are not to see that they like it, but that they get it. Bob is making quite a face. You can't see it, but my goodness. And man, is that the truth? That'll punch you in the mouth. It is not our job to change the standard of the truth. Our job is to publicize the truth, to put it out there and let God do what he wants to do with it. Like it is not my job to convince anybody of of anything. And so much of what I see in the church and like with our outreach is to try to convince people. Right. It's not my job to we convince We don't do you. the convincing. We don't do the convicting. That's yeah, the Holy but, Spirit. Oh he man, you hit, you hit the head. Like say that again. You hit the nail right on the head. We don't do the convicting. That's the Holy Spirit. Convince comes from that same word to convict. All right. I can't convict or because I, I am not the Holy Spirit because you hit the man. Props to Bob. You hit it right on the head. Like that's exactly what I was trying to draw us to. Yeah. So much of what the church has become in America is to try to take the place of the Holy Spirit. And like, we would never be as reckless to say that officially. No, of course not. But man, like if you understand that, that it is not my job to convince you person who I'm speaking to, whoever that is, of anything. If you don't believe there's a God, you're a crazy person in my book. I'm just going to put it out there. You're a crazy person. It's not my job to make you come to the light. Right. In fact, it's my job to tell you about it. And if you don't like it, to move on. Yeah, that's totally your prerogative. That's really callous. That's free will. It sounds callous to our American Christian ears, like, oh, but these people, yes, yes, these people, if they don't repent, are going to the hot place, just like any of us that don't repent. That's where we're headed if we say to God, I don't believe you. Okay. But it's not my job to make you believe, it's my job to inform you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it again in this quote it is not our business to make the message acceptable, but to make it available. We are not to see that they like it 
but that they get it. I am supposed to afford you every opportunity to see who the Lord is. But Psalm 34 says it, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you know the Lord, you know that he's good. If you accept it because I've convinced you of it, then you're not really accepting it. Yeah, no. If you accept it because the Holy Spirit convicts you, that's a whole other thing. But we also always like, I feel like anymore, and it goes back to your quote, people want to be accepted and they want to be liked. And so they'll give it to you, but they might give you a lukewarm but, version. But, but or what does that lead exactly? Version. What does that lead to? Uh, to vanity, to right. a vain truth. The American church that we've got today. Ooh, that's a banger. <laughs> that's that. Ooh, ooh, I don't like that. But it's true. It leads to a vain, and I said it, a vain truth, but that's not really the truth because the truth is Jesus and Jesus himself. Okay. Get me with this. Remember what the great commission is you know, that we're supposed to go into the world right. and make students of all people, right? Remember what I had said. It says that in the same way, like really in the Greek, porephentis, that whole Greek word that having been led over, okay? So having been led over by Jesus, now go and do that for other people. When Jesus was approached by people, because he was approached by a lot of people, did he always say, hey man, thanks for coming, join me? Did he always say that to everybody? No. No. He like often in a, sent people out. In a, well, yeah, but like in a lot of ways. Okay? No, and not turn them away. Just, uh, so. Yes and no. Like... He didn't officially, because I was looking, all right, to try to find a place that he ever said no straight up to somebody. No. And he never said it, but he definitely inferred it. Like the rich man, okay? The rich man says, Rabbi, what must I do to be your follower? What must I do to be your student? And he says, sell all your stuff and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And that guy goes away sad because he has a lot of stuff. Because Jesus absolutely is giving the ball in his court and says, yeah, man, you can come and follow me. This is what you should do first. Divorce your crazy attachment to all your things and then come follow me. Other times when people say, hey, can I be your student? He says to one of them, even a fox has a den and a sparrow has a nest, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Which if you're like me, you're like, okay, okay. cool. What is that? Does that mean I can come or? Yeah, did you, so you don't have a house, but like, what's I got to do with me? <laughs> well, it's speaking to the person, all right? Speaking to the real intent there that, hey, even animals have a place in a home. I don't have a home here. You sure you want to be a part of that? Hmm. You know, like, are you sure? Jesus said it in Luke. He says, count the cost before you sign up for this because it, there is a cost. If you are truly preaching the truth, people are going to hate you for it. Not everyone's going to like you for it. Oh, You're yeah. going to be so persecuted much more yes. just like Jesus was. He yes. literally told everyone that yes. while he was here. They're going yet, to hate so you. So much of what we see in our country is distorted because we don't have, that's not like a literal truth for most Americans that. If you sign up with Jesus, you're signing up to lose your family. You're signing up to lose all kinds of good things. There's a possibility of that. There's so much. There's so much there. Okay. So the truth that I want to leave you with is Jesus. That's J-E-S-U-S. He loves you and he's concerned for you. And if you're listening to this, he desperately wants to talk to you, but he is a gentleman and he's not going to force himself on you. Mm-hmm. And so if you want that, awesome. Yeah. If you don't know how to find it and you want to talk to me or Bob about it, please reach out to us. Our email is jdse.podcast at gmail.com. Once more slowly, jdse.podcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram, which is at jdse.podcast. And we're also on YouTube. The YouTube is Jesus Didn't Speak English. Either way, if you type Jesus Didn't Speak English into YouTube, there should be a couple places that you could find us. Also, we have a link tree. If you want the URL to find all the things that I just talked about, there's also a connection form on there. If you want to directly connect us in a more seamless way, you can type this into your smartphone or your computer, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot 
ee slash jdse dot podcast. And that will take you directly to where you can find the podcast that you're listening to right now. It will take you to the YouTube channel if you click on that one. And it would also be a way that you can connect with us. I would really love, I think I speak for you too, Bob, but if you have questions, comments, or concerns, or you enjoy what you're listening to and you want to connect with us, please connect with us. Uh, reach out to us anyways that we just talked about. Yep, absolutely. Um, it is my hope that this is bringing the kingdom down. And again, I hope you like it. I'm not mad if you don't like it because the Holy Spirit is going to do what he wants to do with that. Yep. The second part of Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, really of 11, it speaks to that, that it's not my job to make you want to like it, that that's the Holy Spirit's job and it will do what he wants it to do, not what I want it to do. Jesus is his own man and he's got his kingdom and he's running it. I'm just trying to be a faithful steward. Right. So if you, uh, another thing, I have a couple of friends that listen to this uh, that, you know, might be forgetful. I don't know if you do either, Bob. If you would like to, shameless plug, subscribe to any of the places that you listen to this, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, literally all the I don't, I don't remember all the things that you uploaded. It's Man, I, there was a lot of legwork involved initially. I hope it's doing, I, I don't even have to hope. I know that God is faithful and he's going to do what he wants to do with this. So I'm trying to put it out there. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe, give it to your friends, tell them. Hopefully somebody is going to be brought to the kingdom through this. So thanks for listening. This has been the third episode. Next time we're going to talk about the son of man and the son of God. Spoiler alert, it's still Jesus. It's just Jesus. Most of this is just going to be Jesus. <laughs> In case we didn't spoil it with, you know, this whole thing and the podcast title. <laughs> it's all Jesus. It's Jesus. All the time. So thanks and Keep seeking.